The following is a hoop bowl presentation. It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here, Corbin there. It's your usual Sunday duo. Glad to have Corbin back on the show. Clippers Thunder just wrapping up earlier today. And Clippers Lakers just around the corner on Christmas. But before we get there, Corbin, what's up, man? How are you? I'm assuming you're watching the Laker game as we're recording this. Oh, yeah, I am. And as, as of this moment, I'm not happy. Uh, Denver's seemingly blown this game wide open. So, uh... Not the greatest of spirits. It looks like we're going to lose three straight. But aside from that, I'm, I'm just fine. Good games of basketball tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about this uh, Clippers game. Hey, before we get to the whole Clippers-Lakers preview, just a little appetizer that I want to uh, get from you. You know, the, the waiters come to the table. He's just giving <laughs> you the appetizer. Um, how worried are you about LeBron James? Because this injury seems kind of sketchy. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a solid 7, leaning closer to an 8. It's not even the timing of it, again, that makes sense. You know, LeBron playing really strong, especially stronger this year than last year, more engaged, and then boom. Not only is it that thoracic injury, but also the groin. I did not want to hear about that groin again. And it's around the same time last year, Christmas Day, actually, they went down with that. So to see that still be an issue, I'm very concerned. I mean, as a Lakers fan, I think we're pretty – we're pretty. We already know that we. Um, I pinned our hopes on two top six players in the NBA right now. But one is injury ridden, the other is going on thirty five. And you know, age comes for everyone, and injuries as well. So I think this is where it gets a little scary because our depth or lack thereof is going to be put to the test. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of worried. I'm not even gonna lie about it. It, it snuck out of nowhere, and apparently it's serious, and that's not. You never want to hear that. You never want to hear that. Yeah, and I wouldn't have thought much of it at all, honestly. I would have said, all right, you know, he's probably just resting in this game. He's played in every game so far. And you have the Clippers right around the corner, which is going to be what would think would be a big game for both teams just because of bragging rights. And you never know, seating-wise, how important the home court advantage is going to be. I know it's the same exact court, but you just never know. But the one thing that kind of makes me think, hey, this might be a little more serious, is that LBJ just came out. I think it was two weeks ago and said, I'm not going to, or maybe one week ago said, I'm not going to be taking games off. People are coming to pay to see me as long as I am healthy and I am in this league, I'm going to play. And then we have this and he doesn't play tonight against Denver. So it, it definitely is something that I'm keeping an eye on and nobody said anything about the long-termness of this, which is interesting. Um, As far as we know, he's going to play on Wednesday, but the fact that we don't know much, I think can also be taken as a bad sign. Oh, most assuredly, without a doubt. If it's shrouded in mystery, especially knowing that LeBron and the injury um, rest debate was going up because he put his name on it by putting that quote out there, the fact that they're so hush-hush about it from the Lakers can't make sense, but it's still scary because if it wasn't that serious, they would have got ahead of it and said, listen, you know, he's fine. We're we're kind of resting and and nursing an injury that, you know, in a couple of days will be fine. They have not said that. They haven't really said anything. They just said that, hey, it is serious. We're not just giving them a rest, which – is is scary. Um, on the other hand, I'm also trying to look at the bright side, which is that they're just trying to cover up for LBJ in the sense that he did say his rest, so maybe, okay, he's having some injury or some pain in that area, and they're resting him on a cautionary note but saying it's serious to kind of play the PR game. But I don't think it's that. As as much as I want to believe it, I do think that there's an injury there, and, and that's scary. It, it really is. I mean, we're seeing it right. I mean, I'm seeing it right now watching it. AD can do a lot. 
but only so much against the top echelon teams, um, especially with the supporting cast that's kind of reliant on the playmaking that only LBJ provides. So, yeah, it, it, the lack of noise on that, it, it, the silence is deafening. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about another team that uh, didn't have a star tonight, and that was Kawhi Leonard that did not play for the Los Angeles Clippers. But before we get there, you're probably listening to this, I'm guessing, on Monday. And you know what Monday means. It is time for that bruise letter straight to your inbox. Aaron Brewski, our finder, our founder, part of me, has decided to write an email newsletter for the 2019-2020 season. You cannot get this content anywhere else. It's not going to be on the website, not any podcast. It's only going to be in your email box. So make sure you sign up, get it for free. It takes legit five to ten seconds you're putting in your email and that is pretty much it you go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter that's hoop-ball.com slash newsletter sign up quickly Aaron Brewski straight to your inbox and if you want to find out fantasy wise about each team he does a blurb on every single team he does his three kings things because he's a big Sacramento Kings guy so he goes a little more in depth on the Kings side of things and just overall NBA stuff as well so make sure you go and sign up for that and also don't forget Our podcasts, like many of all of our podcasts, are brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website, hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter, Hi Kona Coffee. That's H-I Kona Coffee. All right, let's get into tonight's game. Oh, man. Uh, uh, This is something I really did not want to see, but we saw it. Shea Gilgis Alexander is in another uniform in Oklahoma City. Paul George returns to Oklahoma City. He got a very nice ovation, which is good to see there. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander, all he did was match his career high with 32 points to help the Clippers, or help the Thunder beat the Clippers 118 to 112. And once again, it is another game where the Clippers lead by a lot and end up losing a contest. Let's get your impressions of the contest, Corbin. All right, so I mean, for me, I, it, again, you said it's concerning. I think that the Clippers definitely eased up a little bit. Some of that just on missed shots, some of that lack of defensive intensity down the stretch after having built that lead. Um, credit does have to be given to Oklahoma City. Their defense ratcheted up a couple knots for sure. And Shea Gilgis Alexander did work. I mean, he kind of led through the third. Dennis Schroeder took over in the fourth, and some of that was just good shot making. I mean, Dennis Schroeder had a nice. Uh, reposition three he had a a couple of pull-up jumpers including one where paul george was just coming off from the back to contest um and you had um a a shooter's defender contesting from the front and he just got the shot over both of them and made it and others were just wide open shots that the clippers didn't rotate enough or or someone lost sight of their man and 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 one of the clippers slucked away for a shot and down to stretch that three guard attack with shea gilgis alexander um, Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul, it, it seemed to be too much, especially when the Clippers were missing shots on the other end. So it, it was it was weird. I, I don't want to give all of it to saying that the Clippers, I mean, obviously when you lose the lead of, of that size, some of that blame has to be attributed to you just, just straight up. But at the same time, the defense from Oklahoma City was a lot better. Uh, Terrence Ferguson did an amazing job on Paul George, really making him uncomfortable throughout. And, you know, to their credit, the Thunder converted some tough shots. And, and pulled away, you know, in the final minutes of the game. But either way, that's not a game you want to lose, and that's not a way you want to lose. I mean, especially with the Thunder making it their habit this month of coming back down 15 or more points three times already. Yeah, the Thunder are now 11-5 and five at home. They're just above 500, and they're a team that in the preseason, I was actually saying you should hammer their over because I thought it was just a little bit too low. I think it was around 30 
um, or so. And I thought, you know what? This team just has too much talent. Chris Paul, Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gildas-Alexander. They have too many guys there that are good basketball players. Gallinari, of course, as well. And Gallo didn't play, by the way. He had an ankle injury, so he did not play in this game. So I know that Gallo didn't play. Kawhi didn't play. Pat Beverly didn't play. And when you look at the Clippers lineup and you see Lou Williams in the starting lineup, it it really does take something away from this team when Lou is starting and not coming off the bench. Because then you look at the bench and you see Shamit, who had 14 points. He was solid. It's good to see him back. Rodney Magruder, not going to help you a ton offensively. Jermichael Green, for some reason, has been really hit or miss. Not as much as I... He's not been as great as we'd like to see. He also has not played as many minutes as we thought we might see from him. He'll play probably a lot more in the playoffs when it comes to that. Uh, Trez did work. I mean, he usually does work. One interesting note from this game is that it seems like Derek Walton Jr., at least for now, has passed Jerome Robinson. And Derek Walton Jr. is a guy that obviously was not as highly regarded as Jerome Robinson. But Walton's played good defense, and he got a solid 12 minutes tonight. So he's playing a decent chunk there. I know Lou had to play 36. That's something that worries me, by the way, is the guy that has been in the league for this long that is playing that many minutes. But to your point, with Paul George being the guy, he responded going 6 of 17. And in this instance, when you are pretty much the only guy that can get your bucket at all times, apart from Lou Williams, and I know Trez has been great, you need to do better than that. And unfortunately, he wasn't, and it's a loss for the Clippers. But lots to unpack. Uh, Let's first talk about the significance of another blown lead. And it's something where normally you'd say, you know what, it's a regular season game. But this is now the third loss for the Clippers in the last nine games where they have led by 15 or more. Led by 15 against the Bulls and lost. Led by 17 against the Rockets and lost. And led by 18 against the Thunder and lost. So the Clippers are showing that they are a top team. They're just not holding on. And it's strange because it seems like that was something that they were so strong with last year is the ability to come back in games. And so you thought they'd be better as the game goes on. But for some reason, that's not been the case. And I I really can't put my finger on it. Do you think Corbin, it perhaps is a bit of the Clippers just getting comfortable and knowing that they're a top team and thinking, you know what, this game doesn't matter as much, or do you think there's more to it? Um, I'm going to take the former. I think that that is the case. They, they kind of know they're a good team on paper, just in general, the confidence there is sky high. You build a lead as easily as they have against these teams. And then you kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit, you know, and, and that's not something that you should be doing, especially as a team trying to get more comfortable with each other. And that being a process with the Clippers still getting healthy and establishing, you know, all the pieces that they have. But that's what seems to be happening. Uh, I, I think it was more prevalent in this game against the Thunder when you just saw defensively bite wasn't there. And to be fair, you know, Kawhi was out. Pat Beverly was out. But here's the thing. The players, the personnel that was on this team tonight. Um, as a recording, they played well to build that lead. Uh, Thunder missed shots, but they were playing well defensively. And then down the stretch, they lost focus. They missed um, rotations. And the Thunder got back into it. And this is the thing that happened with the Rockets as well. And we saw that run in the third quarter, um, bridging that gap, taking it all the way to dead even, and a three-point lead in the third, and then going to the fourth and, and going making a game out of it before pulling away. It seems that's the case. And I don't think it's any more prevalent than on – 
the defensive end where it starts, where you see these wide open shots, because I mean, and rarely I think the Clippers lose games with tough shot making against their defense when engaged. But on the other end, the offense just disintegrates into one dribble pull ups by one of their two stars or deep contested threes by several of their role players um, or a wide Beverly three every once in a while that just misses. And, and I think that's just a sign of what they've been doing the last couple of games. And it is concerning, I think, only because you don't want to have these habits set early. There is too much talent on this team. I think too many of these players have had um, experience in playoff games and Kawhi's case championship games that they will snap out of it or, or tighten it up a lot. But you don't want to have these habits start early, and I definitely think that there are a couple that are prevalent here now. Yeah, I mean, if you do it during the regular season, uh, I know it doesn't matter, but at the same time, you want to practice the way you're going to play, you know? And in this case, it's the regular season before the postseason. You want to make sure you can lock up these wins so that when it gets to that point in the postseason, you're able to do it. And the one thing I hate about analyzing this Clippers team is that you can't really do it when they don't have their full cast of characters. I mean, once again, Kawhi Leonard sat out. Pat Beverly is out. I'm assuming it was just because of the back-to-back and they wanted to take care of him because, remember, he's coming off an injury. But we'll see if this is something that lingers. And for the Clippers, you want to have everybody there. And they've continued to deal with injuries. And it was nice to see Jermichael Green back as he had been hurt. He played 18 minutes, had 6.7 rebounds, so solid. I said earlier he hasn't done as much. Well, being hurt, obviously, off the floor doesn't help. Now, you mentioned iso ball, and that's one thing that I hate about when you have a star. It just ruins the flow on the offensive end when you just let them do everything. And that's when you run into some trouble, when you have just Lou Williams going ISO or you have just Paul George going ISO. And they, they did that time and time again in this game, and it results in bad shots. And it seems like that happens more and more in the fourth quarter of games where your offense all of a sudden, you're not running your normal plays where maybe you would get a look for Landry Shamit. Instead, you're relying on your top players. And one thing that I would love to see broken at some point is the desire to just Say, you know what? You've got it. Take care of it. Because I think this Clippers team, as much as any other team in the NBA, is relying on team basketball. As much as they have their two stars and they're going to rely on them, they need everybody else to contribute. They need Zoo to contribute. They need Trez. They need Lou Williams. They need everybody except, I mean, uh, including Kawhi and Paul George. It can't just be those two. Yeah, it really can't. You're right. And that team effort is is something that's been um, – I guess ebbs and flows for this team because they kind of take after. And right now we look at the Clippers and we say Kawhi PG and they kind of lead the way there. But even then Paul George is one of those guys. He can be definitely a first option. And we'll see tonight where he, for he was trying to be aggressive. He was trying to make those moves. You can see down the stretch. He wanted to enforce his will, but tough defense. He couldn't get it done. And when Kawhi gets it, whether the shots are going in or not, you know, depending on the defensive attention he's getting, you know, that Kawhi's trying to get his as well. And you're right. That, 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 Co- the the um I'm losing the word here, but basically playing as a unit. Cohesion. Hey, thank you. That is the word. Thank you. Yes. And that cohesion isn't quite there. It's okay, Kawhi PG, back forth, do what you do, and then we'll come in and chip around the edges, hit some threes, put some putbacks, that sort of thing. And and there's a formula there that that could possibly work, but you can meld that so much better than they have. You have these pieces that can work so much better than they have. When the preseason was coming up and, you know, Clippers fans are talking about the different lineups and rotations and, and and flexibility and whatnot, you know, they were thinking of them playing as that cohesive unit. Um, even Doc Rivers a couple nights ago said, hey, we haven't even tried out 
half of the lamps that we can use in certain scenarios. So in my mind, it's like, let's see it. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm with that. I think you've said it very clear, Brandon, that you just have to have that, that cohesion throughout and it's not there right now. And I think it is kind of hard when you have, you know, Kawhi in some games and, and PG some games, but kind of that's the nature of the beast. We already knew that was going to be the way it was going to be going in. And I don't frankly think that that is too much of an excuse not to have the rest of your guys on the same page and then just adapt and give some shots up when Kawhi comes back, as you would see that just one of your better players on the roster. Yeah. And once again, it's another game where zoo ends up getting seven first quarter rebounds only played 18 minutes and the Clippers lost because they didn't get offensive rebounds. So if you're the Clippers, it, it, I remember, I think it was last game that zoo ended up playing, I think 11 minutes in the first quarter and is the most that he's played so far this season. And it, it's so funny to see, we're talking about everybody contributing and zoo is a guy that contributes with his defense and his ability to rebound the basketball. And in this case, you have a guy that is probably your best rebounder and you don't have him on the floor because of Montrez Harrell and the amount that you need him on the floor offensively. So that being said, and I want to go to this whole Jerome Robinson, Derek Walton Jr. thing in a second, but there's been talk about Montrez Harrell and his upcoming free agency and whether the Clippers are going to end up signing him, re-signing him, paying him, the amount of money that he's going to get on the open market, I would assume that he would get close to $100 million. Who knows if someone would be crazy enough to give him the max. I don't think he's a max player as much as I love him. I don't think we just start throwing the max out to everybody, you know? So, yeah, I get that. So w- with Trez, the question is, at what point do you think about possibly including him in a Drew Holiday trade? And I don't know if it makes sense to trade away Drew Holiday if you are the Pelicans and get a guy in Montrez Harrell that is going to become a possible free agent. But at what point do you think, you know what? I talked about this with my brother last Sunday. When do you decide, you know what? We're going to include him. He's going to be part of our four with Kawhi, PG, Lou, and Trez. Or do you think about possibly getting a guy like Drew Holiday that can be a natural point guard where Pat Beverly is, sure, he's an, he's a point guard, but he's not the guy that's going to go and get eight or nine assists per game. No, I, I agree with you. That's something I would definitely explore. Pat Beverly to me is like the Derek Fisher point guard type, you know, the guy the guy who's who can get you into your offense, but it's better off, you know, spotting up in the weak side, hitting threes. And Pat Beverly brings the added dimension of being a dogged, annoying, pesky defender that that is that is needed for a team like this. But no, I don't think you turn the ball over to him as the main floor general. And to be honest, Kawhi is is growing in his playmaking, but that's not necessarily a strength of his. And Paul George has that for sure, but it's also not like the go-to thing consistently in the in that point forward role. Um, in that kind of vein. So I think that that's a good deal. And also, I mean, for the Pelican side, you are getting a player in Trez who is still young enough to grow with that young core you got going on over there. Uh, depending on what happens with Derek Favors, he could be on the bio market uh, as soon as this year. So you have 
you know, Trez and, and Zion when he comes back, Brandon Ingram when they re-sign him, Lonzo Ball, the, you know, the rest of the young league. Because you can form in your brain a way that that works to build and grow that core together with a player who can play that center position who's more on your timeline um, and work out the rest of the, the chinks there, Jackson Hayes and pl- other players they have. So I definitely think that's interesting. And you already said it for the Clippers. You have a player who's another strong defensive guy mm-hmm. who can actually run an offense but also play off ball, play that two-guard spot, create his own offense, shoot well from the field, play dogged defense. I mean, it's a perfect fit. And having him, who's also a player who can switch multiple positions, alongside Paul George and Kawhi, that is a nasty three. Yeah, I mean, it's really tough. Oh, my goodness. Like, can you imagine Kawhi, PG, Beverly, and Holiday out there all at the same time defensively? I mean, it's that is going that would be a massive, massive uh perimeter D that nobody would be able to get through. And the one thing is, I got to tell you, I can't, I just can't trade Trez right now. It's so difficult. I bring it up, but he's so damn good offensively and helps you out so much off the bench. And when you get to the playoffs, you're going to play about eight people. And I just don't know if you can afford not having Trez off the bench as a backup big. It would obviously depend on if you're able to get somebody maybe like Derek Favors um, in the buyout market and have him as a backup center. But I, I don't know. I don't know if you can actually give up Montrez Harrell, but it's something that I wanted to bring up because it's a lot of chatter that's going on now on Clippers Twitter is about whether the Clippers should entertain trading for Drew Holiday. And it seems like Montrez Harrell is one of their biggest pieces. And the Clippers have shown they're not afraid to trade guys that you think are going to be there long-term. Blake Griffin traded. Tobias Harris traded. The Clippers are not afraid to make a move. And so I would not be surprised if Harrell ends up getting traded. But right now, I don't think this team can afford to have him gone. All right. Lou Williams, by the way, would like to see him improve defensively if he's going to play this many minutes. 36 minutes. Um, I think he needs to be a little bit better of a defender. We've seen that throughout this season. And if you're not going to defend very well, can't go 7 of 20. It's just as simple as that. Now, one more thing before we get to the entree and the dessert of Lakers Clippers. It's a minor one, but it's something that Clippers fans care about because Jerome Robinson was the number 13 pick in the draft. The same year as Shea Gilgis-Alexander, just two picks afterwards. And Robinson so far has not panned out to be the Clay Thompson guy that we thought we might be getting, that three-point shooter. And Derek Walton Jr. got minutes over him today. And I know Walton's been a pesky guy defensively, and he's bought in and plays hard. But if you're the Clippers, you got to be a little disappointed right now that you're not getting much from Jerome Robinson, right? Yeah, I think you do. I think you do. I mean, you were a lot more hopeful that there will be kind of a bounce back as more as far as more improvement. You're getting more playing time. And to see the lack of reduction in that vein when you have that opportunity, you know, it's, it's obviously disappointing, especially with the player that, you know, there, there's some there's some inroads for him to actually kind of get some time here on this team. Like it's not, you know, it's not they have a full deep rotation, but he could make a name for himself and stand out with his play. And so far, unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. Yeah, I'd like to see I like to see guys like Derek Walton that kind of pop out of nowhere and work hard and work their butts off. But at the same time, you, you would like to hit on your lottery pick. And uh, Jerome Robinson so far has not been a guy that is a valuable contributor. I mean, he's not even playing in a game where Beverly and Kawhi are out. So he doesn't even crack your top 12, essentially, because you had 10 guys that played tonight. 
and Kawhi and Beverly didn't play. So he's number 13 or 14 right now, which is really difficult to see. All right, Los Angeles Lakers versus the Los Angeles Clippers. It's going to be, I believe, a Lakers home game because I think the first game of the season was a Clippers home game. So it is, yes, it is indeed a Lakers home game. It's 5 o'clock p.m., ABC, Christmas Day. Lakers going to be coming off a loss to Denver. They lost by 24. The Clippers, a six-point loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. If the updated standings are correct, it's Lakers 24-5, and Clippers 22-10, and Clippers three and a half games back. Who needs this game more? Uh, I say the Lakers. Uh, I'm just going to – I mean, the Clippers will get it together, I feel. The Lakers, you have that LeBron injury concern. Uh, Anthony Davis is playing injured as well, and also for weird reasons in a 20-point game. Uh, he was still out well into the fourth quarter playing. Um, so it's concerning. LeBron talked about not trying to lose two straight. Well, guess what? Now you've lost three straight, and it seems like with this – LeBron injury rumors or whatever the case may be, it's not a rumor. Like just the severity is unknown. But with that happening and and AD also being down, it looks like okay, wow, this has been a wonderful month and a half to two months. But uh, you know, now we may start uh, you know, now we may start seeing um the the facade kind of pulled down. Like now you may see like what what it's really going to be for the rest of the year for LA, and that's kind of concerning as a Lakers fan. At the same time, you know, the Clippers they lost a couple of games. They've lost a couple of winnable games. Uh, ones where they've had leads uh, back-to-back. So I think that there is some hunger and some drive to close out one, especially in a statement game on Christmas against their rivals. I'm sure they'll be juiced up for that one as well. But I got to give it to the Lakers. It feels like they're reeling right now, loses three straight. And I mean, you know, the Clippers are not an easy opponent for them. The one team that even when healthy would be sort of their kryptonite, much less hampered and not 100%. So the Lakers have now lost the Pacers, the Bucks, and the Nuggets, and they were a team that seemed to be invincible. They were 24-2, and two, if I'm correct, and now they've lost three games in a row. What's gone wrong? Why are they in this place? Because the Clippers took care of the Lakers on opening night, and it's funny because everyone says, oh man, the Clippers keep losing these games, and the Lakers fans just keep pounding on the Clippers, saying how many losses they have, and the Clippers do have more losses, but at the same time, if you look back at that first game of the season, Corbin, the Clippers beat the Lakers, and they beat them without Paul George, and now you have Paul George, you have Kawhi Leonard, and it's possible now the Lakers could be without LeBron James. What's gone wrong for the Lakers over the last three? I mean, tonight, LeBron James was out, and he is really important to this team. There's no doubt about that. There's a reason why the Pelicans were not that good, even when they had Anthony Davis. What's gone wrong, though, in the previous two? I think it's a curious mix of injury, um, injuries and adapting to playing injured, as well as the offense just going down the rabbit hole of destruction. And I don't even know what I'm saying there, but in the sense that mm-hmm. I know the Pacers game, the Lakers were – you know, they're they're kind of in it, but they were struggling to convert shots at a high level, um, at a, at a decent clip. Against the Bucks, not only was their defense kind of atrocious, to be honest, but their offense was horrible and they weren't doing themselves any favors on that end, got themselves into a big hole there, worked back into the third quarter and fourth, but really the Bucks kind of kept them at arm's length. And Giannis had a career a career best performance from three. So that's also a, a outlier that you have to take into consideration. And you look at them against the Nuggets, and you're right. Without LeBron James, who was so big, almost, not even almost, scarily important to this team. From a playmaking perspective, scoring perspective, um, 
even defensively being as engaged as he is, you lose all of that just for one game. And it just shows because the Lakers don't really have anyone that matches that all three of those marks. Rondo, from a playmaking perspective, yes, but he takes away so much off the table with his shooting ability. AD has some of that ability in him, but that's not his strength. And aside from that, Kuzma with his shot making, and he's had a horrible year this year. And then you have, you know, solid role players, but role players nonetheless, um, who are reliant on an all-world creator in LeBron James to make stuff happen. And so this is why I feel that this game against Clippers is going to be scary because originally, you know, watching our opening night performance, Lakers were playing well. I mean, they were playing outside of the way I thought they would with a ton of post-ups for LeBron and AD. And the way they've been playing since then has been way better. They've ratcheted up their defense and has looked a lot more promising. But you're right, the Clippers have... Paul George. And to be honest, this iteration of the Lakers, I think that they can here, – here's my theory on this. I think that you can reasonably find a way to stick both of them. But LeBron James has to be on the court for that to happen. And I'll put LeBron James on Kawhi because Kawhi uses a lot of physicality. And I think LeBron at this stage in his career can match that more or less. It's still going to be a challenge for him, but that's better. But the problem is – if not, you have Paul George, who's already a mismatch regardless, but he can be taken out. We saw Terrence Ferguson do that tonight. He can be taken out with some aggressive, hard defense for, you know, 48 minutes, however long the case may be. But then you have, you know, we have Avery Bradley. You have um, KCP. These guys are good. They're solid defenders, but they are smaller defenders. You can shoot over the top. We saw the opening night. Kawhi was getting whatever he wanted over KCP and Avery Bradley. And they were hounding. They were coming from behind. It did not matter. It was clean looks regardless. So now you have two elite wings in that case. We have Danny Green, who's our, uh, the one good, solid defender to stick any of them. And after that, it's a mismatch regardless. And so that alone is kind of scary. Uh, also, another trend I noticed was that the Clippers picked up full court, um, which was to tire out LeBron. And it did its case for the most part. He was still able to get the team into their offense. But it was, it was a significant um, factor for him. But it straight up swallowed up any other guard who tried to bring up the ball. And mind you, Rondo was not in that opening night, but uh, Caruso was having trouble. Quinn Cook was having trouble. And that's a threat that can definitely still be a, a factor here. So this Christmas matchup, I mean, barring miraculous health for LeBron coming back and AD getting a couple of days to heal up, it, it could it could go in ways that as Laker fans, we don't want it to go. And as Clipper fans, may just be that kind of game to get them back on their winning ways kind of reset the ship so to speak interesting uh interesting take on uh the lakers there on many different parts of the lakers and if you remember opening night which i know you do the lebron and ad show came to a screeching halt in the second half the the clippers just found a way to swallow them up they disappeared offensively danny green was hitting a bunch of threes but apart from that the clippers did their job and the los angeles clippers i think are deeper than the lakers i don't think that is the thing you can argue. And I know the Lakers fans like to say that they have better depth than the Clippers, but I, I just don't think that's the case. As long as you have Lou no. Williams and you have Montrez Harrell and you have guys maybe like Landry Shamit coming off the bench, I think that you'd rather have the, the Clippers bench than the Lakers. And in that game, I mean, the Clippers bench did work. I mean, Jermichael Green had 12, Harrell had 17, Harkless had 10, and Lou Williams had 21. That game that the Clippers won by 10 at home. And then you add Kawhi now into the mix, or rather you add Paul George into the mix with Kawhi, and it could be interesting. And I asked you the question, who needs it more? And you said the Lakers. And I think that if LeBron James plays, I think I would agree with you. But if LeBron James does not play, I think the Lakers would have less pressure on themselves because you have that built-in excuse of, hey, LeBron didn't play, and 
will be okay when he's back. Whereas in the first game, the Clippers didn't have PG. So I went into it thinking they were going to lose, but they won that game. And I think that hurt the Lakers more than it did the Clippers. And if the Clippers are in full strength, I think it would hurt the Clippers more than it would the Lakers. Do you agree? You know what? That's a great breakdown. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because you're right. There is that inherent um, look to go, hey, we're not 100% and we're missing a key piece, uh, especially the Lakers with LeBron James. I mean, right. yes, that, that's totally there. And you're right. The pressure then shifts to the Clippers if you lose uh, what a, four, a third straight game to an undermanned Lakers team. Um, that's something to think about, just as it was when the Lakers lost to a Clippers team missing Paul George. Uh, and you're right. I, I also would like to point out that you you perfectly described how the the Clippers totally took the Lakers out of their um, not the Lakers, um, Anthony Davis and LeBron out of their game in the second half mm-hmm. of that opener. But I would like to push back by saying that the that kind of game was not the way the Lakers have been riding most of their wins since then. They've worked more of a synergy where. AD is able to face up a lot more than he was in that game where it was really a bunch of isos and post-ups and very not like the Lakers have been recently um, to have their offense in a rhythm. It was very clunky. You know, at first the Lakers used their size and were almost obsessed with having that advantage over the Clippers that they used it until they really didn't have it anymore. And the Clippers are planning, you know, surprise double teams and ways to muck up the paint um, that they're able to do. But I do think the Lakers, and I was really encouraged by it over this recent 20-odd games have been playing a lot different, using their size and devastating effect, but also going up and down and getting the ball moving and playing more free-flowing with isos as well. So before this injury to LeBron, I was excited to see how this current iteration of the Lakers would play against um, the Clippers, knowing that, yes, they have Paul George, but the Lakers aren't the same Lakers that played opening night. And now I fear that, no, the Lakers aren't the same Lakers that played opening night because now we don't have LeBron. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that If everybody's at full strength, I think it's a game that the Lakers need more just because of that first game of the season and it being as stupid as this is to say, a Laker home game where they're in front (laughs) of all of their season ticket holders as opposed to it being a Clippers home game. Um, It's funny, by the way, you look at uh, on ESPN, it says the tickets as low as next to the schedule and for the next game for the Clippers. It's against Utah, and it says tickets as low as $25. And you look at that Laker game right above, tickets as low as $289. So, wow. Yeah, tickets are going for a lot of money for that game, the Lakers and the Clippers. That's going to be a hot ticket. I will be watching it on TV. I'm assuming you will be as well, Corbin. Um, it's a game that we're both looking forward to. If everybody's healthy, let's say Beverly's healthy, let's say Kawhi is healthy, Let's say that LeBron is healthy and he plays in this game as well. Um, Kuzma, by the way, that whole big three thing of Kuzma, LeBron, and AD, that's laughable at this point right now because Kuzma's done, <laughs> Kuzma's done nothing to show that he's worth it. Um, it's a joke. And, and I'd be curious to see if the Lakers make a trade perhaps to get rid of him and see if someone's willing to revitalize. Even though it's only it's early, it's still early, he can still be better, and he's been hampered by injuries, but still. Be curious to see if the, Clipper, the Lakers decide to trade him at some point. Let's say everybody's healthy. Who are you picking in this game to win? Everyone's healthy. Uh, I want to say the Lakers, but I'd still lean the Clippers, if only because I think the Lakers still have to work out some kinks with people coming in and out of the lineup and Kuzma being off track and that bench being, you know, more or less a weakness um, with no one really leading the way when LeBron and AD go, go, you know, to go sit for their rest. Whereas with the Clippers... I mean, it's really just a matter, as, as as simple as I may be making it seem, just finishing the game. 
they start they start solid or they start you know competitively they build up leads at least recently it's finishing strong sticking to those same tenets that got you that lead and closing out the game so on this one both teams at full strength I almost feel weird saying this, but I'm going to say the Clippers, like I said, just because I think the Lakers were on such a, 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 a vibe and, and such a synergy as a team that's been disrupted with AD being hampered and LeBron being back. And I think even healthy, let's say all of them are miraculously 100% come Christmas, um, you still got to work back what's been lost over the last four to five games. Because we forget Avery Bradley was also out. Ronald's been out a couple of games. They haven't had that complete synergy. Um, you know, this was Kuzma's first game. And since December 8th. So in general, it's it's been a mess. And I think that even healthy, that team would still need to come together um, and find that synergy. And you're not going to find it against Clippers on Christmas. I'll tell you that right now. Interesting. Um, I'm leaning Lakers if everybody's healthy. Um, I don't think LeBron's going to be healthy, by the way. Uh, um, I do, I do <laughs> no. think that he's going to sit this one out, as crazy as it is to say. And I've been wrong time and time again with Kawhi Leonard in terms of when he's going to sit out. Um, but when they bring up the type of injuries that they're bringing up right now with him and they're not, uh, let's say minor injuries to say the least, uh, I'm not sure LeBron plays. If he doesn't play, I think the Clippers win. Um, if he does play, I think the Lakers win and it's for two reasons. I think that the Lakers will want revenge. And also as silly as this is to say, um, we're going to find out how much the Clippers care about that one seed. Cause if they care a lot, they're going to go out and they'll probably win the game. But part of me doesn't think they care. And part of me doesn't think that Doc wants to show everything because the more and more this season goes on, the more and more I think that we're destined for a Lakers-Clippers-Western Conference Finals. And if that's going to happen, I don't think Doc wants to show his hand uh, in a game on Christmas Day in December in the regular season when he knows he's going to have to play this team possibly for seven games. So that'll be interesting. I I think the Lakers, it's a slight lean for me their way um, if everyone's healthy. But if the Clippers get Kawhi back and Beverly plays, then I think it's a lean towards the Clippers. So it should be interesting. I'm excited for it. Um, again, big apologies, everybody, that we only got one podcast out this week. We, we had one with my brother last Sunday, and then we had one today, obviously, with Corbin. Um, things have been crazy this week. Uh, Corbin, it has been a wild week, um, to say the least, Um Personally, for me, I was traveling. I was in Pullman last Sunday and then traveled to Seattle on Monday. And then I was in Seattle. We had two games I broadcast yesterday and last night, or rather, Friday and Saturday, which Friday was uh, two days ago. Saturday was yesterday. That tells you how my days are going. (laughs) Um, And I got back, I think, at 1 a.m. I walked into my place uh, this morning slash last night. And then I'm back on the road. Um, I think I'm leaving on Thursday for Dallas. So if uh, if that's the case, then most likely um, we may only have one pod this week, and it would be after that Christmas Day game. I'd like to try and get two Thursday and Sunday. Um, we'll see maybe if Corbin were able to figure something out on Thursday because my uh, my schedule normalizes when I'm on the road so I can do stuff at night. So maybe we'll record a pod on Thursday um, and break down that Christmas Day game um, if possible. But you're Corbin MBA, correct? C-O-R-B-A-N MBA is where people can follow you on Twitter. Yes, sir. You got it. Cool. And I am at BD Marcus. This has been the Hoopball Clippers podcast. You can follow the podcast at Hoopball Clips. Appreciate you listening to us. If you have a second, go ahead. And please go on iTunes, rate and review the podcast, leave us that five-star rating, and just leave a little bit of a review. Just say how much you love the podcast. It helps us a lot. And uh, we appreciate listening to all the Hoopball podcasts 
as well. So until next time, I'm Brandon. He's Corbin. And enjoy all the basketball on Christmas Day. It's going to be a fantastic one, especially that Lakers-Clippers matchup. Enjoy it. Should be a fun time. And we'll be breaking it down later on this week. Bye, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.